So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Uh, more prisoner, M- more, more prisoner. Yes, more design discussions around the prisoner. Yes. Uh, in specific, the thing that really jumps out at me about like the design of that show yes. is uh, primarily the setting, which is in this crazy little Welsh town called Port Murian. Yeah, and like, which is all one word. Yes, and and maybe before we get there, we should preface this a little bit. So, um, if you're just <laughs> joining us, uh, welcome to our podcast. I'm Ned. I'm the other person. The here, other person, Meg. Meg. <laughs> Sometimes there's Meg. a third person, <laughs> yeah. Lauren, and then in the shadows, in the shadow world, like the puppet master pulling all the strings, is Dana. Yes, is our Dana. CEO and founder. Yeah. So, um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email Dana D A N A at fcbm.io. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We hear from our listeners from time to time. We really enjoy it. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so this is like there's this show called The Prisoner. So if this is the first episode you're listening to, we did one um, which should be published before this one, maybe on a Thursday because it was a short. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the time and space bubble that is yes. FCBM. Yeah. Io. Right. We don't know. T- temporality doesn't yeah. exist a, in a linear a, fashion here. It's a little loose and it's very liminal. Um, yeah. We, uh, yeah, so... Um, Anyway, we did a little brief discussion on The Prisoner prior to this. Um, We definitely have an hour this time, so we're going to probably try and get into it a little bit more. Um, This one is going to be focused on, uh, did you say interior design? Well, uh, there are a few things about the the visual presentation of this show that I find especially striking. One of which is the setting, which is like a huge factor in like, how the show is experienced by the people viewing it yeah, um, and the people in the show itself, like the actual actors and, um, and the people involved in making the show. So this show is like filmed in this, this weird location. Like it's an actual place. It's a yeah. st- strange little town in Wales that like yeah. is on the seashore and it has all these quaint sort of like villagey, like it's not Hobbit. Life. It's sort of but n- it's nestled sort of into like, the sort of hilly seaside, yeah, hilly seaside woody it's kind of area. Like, yeah, like in the same way that like a Hobbit village is like the Shire is really easily recognizable when you see it. Like yes. Port Mirian is not like any other place that I've ever seen. Right, it's got these quaint little like places. Everything is sort of stacked on top of everything else, a, a la a hillside. Yeah, um, but that like there's all these staircases going up and down, and it gives this kind of like M.C. Escher quality. Yeah, to, like, it's very photo esque. Like it's got lots of lovely little nooks and crannies. There's cute yeah. little roads that wind in in adorable ways, and like um, it kind of looks like a golf resort in a way. Yeah. Like everything's kind of built on the scale of like a golf cart as opposed to an SUV. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's like diminutive. Yeah, it's diminutive. Exactly. So, so that's like yeah. one thing I noticed um, is the actual physical place that this story takes place in. Yeah. The the setting is unusual. And then also the costuming 
Yes. And I was going to say, before we get too far down this rabbit hole, um, maybe we can contextualize it a little bit. So those of you who are not familiar at all with The Prisoner, it was in 1967. I'm just going to read the first sentence from the Wikipedia article um, as of Friday, September 9th, 2022. So... uh, the Wikipedia article says The Prisoner is a 1967 British television series about an unnamed British intelligent agent who is abducted and imprisoned in a mysterious coastal village where his his captors designate him as number six and try to find out why he abruptly resigned from his job. So that is like the entire that's plot it. of this show. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, it's really well like it. It also tells you nothing of what to expect. Um, right. And it's uh, this, I, you know, as we've talked about previously, like this show is um, definitely like lays the groundwork for a lot of science fiction stories and things that came after it. Oh my gosh. And so many pop culture references. Yes. Yeah. Are just, I w- as I was watching this, so like Damon convinced me to watch the show and yeah. it, previously he was really excited about it and I was not in the right frame of mind or like. My chronic pain was too much for me to like right. pay attention because the experience of viewing this television show is very anxiety inducing. Yes. Yeah. And so like if you're already stressed out or like something else, you're just like, I, I'm i blowing a fuse here. I can't do yeah, this right now. Right. Like, I don't need more <laughs> of that shit. Yeah. So like everything was going real great lately. So I was like, right. why don't I just watch The Prisoner? Right. And so um, I was very struck by like. Uh, what, again, I was like, I'm going to force myself to sit through this because my immediate response to watching the first episode was like, oh, I don't like this. Yes. But I realized it's not that I don't like the show. Like, I'm really interested in the plot, for example. Right. It's I don't like how the show makes me feel. And then I realized that that feeling that I'm having is is integral to like your experience of the show. You're, like, you're supposed to be anxious with the guy who's trapped there. Yes. and He doesn't understand why. Right. Right. And like no one will answer his questions and you can't escape. Yes. So like uh, once I was like, okay, I'm supposed to feel really like anxiety riddled and like "Ah, freaking out. And when also when you're not spending your outside time of viewing the show also being anxiety riddled by like your normal day to day life, it's a lot easier to transition into that and out of it. Um, Uh Do I have a brain tumor? Am I going to die? Right. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're fine. Um, (laughs) It's all going to work out, it turns out. And you're going to love the prisoner. So (laughs) the um, the the thing like every episode of the show starts the same and uh damon explained to me that the initial show was only x number of episodes it was not that very many episodes and patrick McGuin, who's the 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 genius behind this show like basically masterminded and ring led the entire thing like wrote it directed it i think produced it the whole nine yards anyway he um he always played these characters, Damon said, that had like this, like their integrity was like really central to like the character itself. And so the whole thing about this show is like he quits this job for some reason. And then right. and you see him in the introduction like credits. You see him um, in a in like a silent sort of montage with just the theme song over the top of him very like determinedly marching down a hallway and going into this office and pacing back and forth and giving somebody a piece of his mind and slamming down his letter of resignation. And then the show itself actually starts. He wakes up. That's where the credits end. 
the beginning of the show is him suddenly waking up in what looks like his house after angrily packing a suitcase to leave. And then somebody sticks a thing in through the keyhole and like fogs the room and knocks him out. And he wakes up on his bed in his house, but it's not his house. Right. Right. And so um, he looks out the window and then the title card for that episode comes up and then he goes out of his house and interacts with people in the town and tries to figure out what the fuck is going on. Damon said that there were only like seven or eight original episodes, but then for the U.S. audience, they were like, no, it has to be way longer than that. And they stretched it out to like 17, which only adds to the confusing, confusing nature of the show. Right. Like it, it kind of... 10 extra episodes or whatever it was didn't do anything to help make the show any better. Right. And so I'm planning on going back and watching just the original episodes that Patrick McGoon in initially decided would be the yeah. series. Right. And right. see what I think about just that, that sort of like how that plays out. Right. Anyway, um, one of the things that like, as you said, I, I noticed was that the interior design of these, of these houses and places that uh, are occupied in this funny, weird little town that nobody can escape. Like the decor is weird and awful. The the yes. color patterns are strange. Like who would ever make like swamp green colored walls with like brown, weird brownish camel tan colored like curtains and bed right. sheets. Like nobody would ever design that. It's hideous. So I think it's like, so my question as a viewer is like, was this, was this like an accident or like it the way that this show is filmed nothing is an accident like there's all these weird little clues and stuff everywhere and you're like i mean anything could be or may not be a clue but since it is a television show somebody made the affirmative choice to design it in such a way and so i'm like what why yes i want to know why why did you choose to put like pea soup green walls with brown curtains Right, right. What was the thought behind that? Was it just to make me upset? Because that's what's happening. I'm very upset. Um, <laughs> and like, uh, the other thing that I find weird is like everybody in town wears a cape. And like, I yes. don't know, people wear stripes all the time. Or, and right. they carry umbrellas. And all of the umbrellas have these like like red, yellow, green, and blue. Like everything looks like a clown threw up because it's all primary colors and like blocks of color and bold. Like there's no patterns anywhere aside from stripes. Right. Right. Like there's no Paisley. There's no like uh, I think at one point I spotted somewhere well into the series. Somebody was carrying an umbrella that had like the black and white checker flag that you would see at a race. Oh, yep. Uh As one of the panels of fabric in a in an umbrella. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that looks weird and was different. And that was new. And so that caught my eye. Yeah. Like the thing, like the primary colors are just, it's like, you know, a red, yellow, green, and blue umbrella with alternating panels. But like, it's the worst red you've ever seen. The most uncomfortable yellow, the grossest green and the dumbest blue. Right. Like every color that's chosen is just like. Oh, why would somebody choose that unless the purpose of it was just to increase discomfort? Right. It's like super dystopian. Like it looks like nobody is in charge of what they're wearing. Like somebody dressed all these people in this town. And so like there's these like I have these two sort of lines of thinking going at all times. Is what I'm seeing integral to the plot and the story and the development of it and the conveyance of this whole thing? Right. Or were these just like random choices that were made by a design team? And what were their constraints if they weren't like 
I don't know. So I want to know like the reality in like the production world of me as a human watching this show that was made by other human beings. And I also want to know what's going on in the fantasy world of the show itself. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. I want to understand all these choices. Right. And so I like because of that, I like because of all of these elements that you've mentioned, like the way that they fit together. Um, it is, I think it's, I'd be really curious to know how that looked like at the time in the like in the early 70s when people were watching the show how they yeah. interpreted it compared because one of the Did things they find it jarring or were they were like oh it looks like everything in my living room right now yeah because I for sure some of these elements like one of the things I've noticed they use a lot is like a lava lamp there's always like a little lava lamp in one of the yes, corners like somewhere futuristic elements kind of like smattered around yeah but also like people had those in their homes a lot yes and so um so it was just a lamp so Maybe. it was, just, yeah. I mean, I think it was novel then. I mean, I think it was something that, like, one of the reasons they were so popular is it was so, you know, fascinating and different. Added all of this mm-hmm. color, and people were pretty into them. Um, I, I just don't know, like, what the. I, I just imagine to my mind, it's like, what does that look like to someone who was living in a house that had some of those color palettes already there? Um, Did it have some of those? Color well, so on? like my my grandmother's kitchen um, that I grew up in at around the age of six to like about I think they remodeled when I was ten or eleven. Um, so this was like nineteen oh one. Nineteen nineteen oh one. Yes, Ned's a yeah. vampire. Yes, <laughs> uh, had um, had like olive green, sort of faded olive green kind yeah. of cabinets. And the countertops were that uh, boomerang um, pattern countertops. If mm-hmm. you're not familiar with it, it's like um, it's sort of like boomerangs about the size of a quarter, uh, like a, a very simple line drawing of a boomerang. And sometimes they're filled in and sometimes they're just a line. Um, and this this palette for this particular boomerang countertop was like a yellow through olive green sort of range because yes. you know they're different colors um and it right, makes this like busy contrasting pattern. colors to the background right? yeah um and so uh it was very like i have yet to find like i found the pattern in blue and white yes um but i have never seen it the closest i've seen it was kind of yellow with like sort of maroon and like dark blue boomerangs mm. um i've but, seen like a seafoam green with a pale blue and like gray yeah um so yeah it's interesting like it's definitely it's such a funny i think it was like really popular and i find it very funny that it's hard to find reference yeah. to it on the internet now right um so yeah. Yeah. So I I see what you mean about like the bright colors. I feel like there were a lot of wild patterns though. Like much of the psychedelic elements that yes. were popular at the time in pop culture and design are absent from the show. Yes. Yeah. It's it's definitely still as you described. Like it's jarring. It has this like blocky blocky. It feels um, it feels like prison like which is kind of the point right like yes. everything feels like very like um industrial like industrial industrial like standard issue items yeah like everything's sort of regimented a little bit like there's not um 
Everybody's wearing a cape when they're outdoors. Everybody like, has a it pin. It may not be the same cape, right? But it's like this. It's not exactly the same, but it's the same cape. Right, like right. It's like, oh, you chose you chose that version of the shorts we're allowed to wear today. Like it's very, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Right, Lederhosen A, Lederhosen B. Right, right, exactly. Um, I mean, there were no Lederhosen in this show. No, just... but that's that's exactly the concept, right? It's like, right. you know, that's fine. You're, and you're it's like, it's it's interesting too because everybody, how people dress, and then how they move in groups in the show when they're showing like wide yes. angle shots or like everybody's outside because they're doing a thing. Like there's a thing happening in the town and everybody has to go. Right. Like it's, it's awesome because Patrick McGowan's character, number six. Yes. They're all, they have numbers. Nobody has a name. Nope. Um, he's number six. And the way that number six, like moves around is kind of like a pinball inside of a pinball machine and everybody yes. else are the bumpers. Yes. Like yes. He, they're all with the program somehow. They right. all dressed what they were. They all wore what they were supposed to wear. They all showed up at the right time and they're all standing in the right places and moving around with each other. Like it's clear that they're all in on it somehow or they're being controlled by it somehow. Right. And like, and he seems to be the only one who doesn't get the info. Like, how does everybody know what to do right now? Why am I not allowed to leave? How come every time you try to leave, you just get returned right back here to the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, it's interesting to me too. Like the design choice of the weird bubble blob that comes and gets people. Yes. There's this, blo- there's a, it's a weather balloon yep. and it bobs around town and follows like pathways and stuff and like occasionally kind of smothers people gently. And then they kind of like, reset. well, it's like, a like, right. It's so it smothers people gently, but their <laughs> reaction is, is as if it's a very painful and horrible, horrifying. They look like they're being disemboweled slowly. They're like, ah! yes. Yeah, like their it's eyes are all wide and their mouth is open yeah. super wide. Like everything's stretched out as far as they can. Their hands with their fingers all splayed apart. Yeah, and then this and it it looks like if you tried to squeeze a condom on over your head. Yeah, it's very like <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's sort of like a face pressed into a tightly or a taut <laughs> a taut stretch of wet. of latex, wet latex, right? Like yes. it's very um, very sweaty. Everyone in the show is very sweaty all yes. the time. Yeah, which having spent much time in that area near that village, I, though I have not been to that village, um, it is a very hot, humid, sweaty place. Like really? the problem, yeah. So the well in the summertime, right? So they're shooting like in the winter it just it's a dreary gray rainy place. And so mm. I imagine most of these shots are happening during the summer. Like they show yes. um they show beach scenes. It, they try to make it look very Mediterranean. The problem of course yeah. is that they rarely get blue skies there and it shows in the show, right? Like you don't see a lot of blue yes. sky in the show. You see like it's well daytime, for one thing, but it's daytime like sunny. because it gets what happens is you just get this marine layer like over the land that's just gray the whole way you know all day long it's hot it it cooks the you know it's hot and humid um as as people often say it's like it's very close today like it's like you know like the sun is close somehow or i don't know what the it's oppressive yeah so it just it feels very hot and humid being there um Mm -hmm. i mean i think it's something you 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 generally people get used to but um yeah it's uh it's a rough one for sure (laughs) Um, <coughs> excuse me i laughed so hard as almost killed myself yeah um i like how he's he's wearing this outfit so his 
number six's outfit doesn't look like anybody else's outfit. Right. Right. He's wearing like a black turtleneck. Yes. With like a black coat with white. He's wearing piping. a blazer. He's wearing a blazer, but then it has um white piping or like seam. They're really what they are. Are uh, it has white seam tape on the lapel, yeah. on the lapel edges going down on both sides, like up and around yeah. the neck, around the collar of the. And then he's wearing a black turtleneck, and then he's wearing um like, I think he's wearing navy blue chinos. No, he's wearing brown, like, they're they're like a dark khaki chino pants. Uh-huh. And then his shoes are, um, they look to me like um, like canvas loafers. They're like, um, what they're like are Vans, like modern yes. shoes. They're like a pair of Vans with like the, yeah. like the three hole lace up. Yes, you know, they're like almost slip-on sneakers. Yeah, they're almost slip-ons. Um, and then like they have white. Sh- they like yeah, they're deck shoes. shoes. They're white. They have white rubber um, rim around the base of them. Like I right. literally have a pair of these sitting in my closet. Right. Like it's not. I. You know. Yeah, I have your slip-on version of them. In yes, my you have. Back yes, hall exactly. Right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> That's so funny. Yeah. yeah so he's waiting got for this, when I come like, to visit again soon. It's funny that they gave him a different outfit. So that's like, I'm sure. So I have not yet gone down the internet rabbit hole of the prisoner message boards and like, what do you think this means? Forums and stuff like that. So I am probably barely scratching the surface here of shit that people have dissected the nth time over on the internet. And I just am not privy to any of those conversations yet. I'm not sure if I want to go there. I have some more viewing to do before I get to that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I just wonder, like, okay, so again, with the design choice, right? Like, why did they give him the all-black top? Like, he's when they're showing him, unless it's a wide-angle shot where you see his whole body, mostly you see people from, like, the chest up when they're having conversations and stuff on television so that you're close enough to see their facial expressions in the camera. And so, like, when you see him most of the time on camera, you see him wearing, like, almost all black. Yeah. And everybody else is in these, again, like weird clownish primary colors and stripes. Yep. And so I'm like, why did they, like, is he the only serious person there and that's why he gets to wear black? Like, I'm biased in favor of black because I love the color black. So I'm like, I see him wearing all black as like, oh, this is a good thing as opposed to like, oh, he's being singled out, for example. Like, my interpretation of this is completely, like, subjective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is... um, I I would, like, the feeling I get based on some of the um, interactions is that... He has I always get this vibe, but none of the none of the like show plots really carry this out that there's some level of ranking, like what number you have dictates like your sort of place of privilege in this village, right? So yeah, everyone has a number. I think I was mentioning before they usually wear these like large round pins, like three inch diameter. Yeah, pins, like, with, like if you'd get a prize ribbon pinned on you, like that. Yeah, thing. but without the frilliness, and then right, on that pin is the is sort of an image of a um, penny farthing bicycle with right. a with a canopy on it. Yes, and then in the middle of it is your number in red. And it, you, it's funny you mention about how all the the shots are sort of designed for these like small televisions, right? Like, yeah. But yet you see these like broad sweeping shots and. 
those numbers are so fucking small. It's hard to read on my giant screen on my wall now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's like I don't know, but the, everyone has a number, and they're right. like you can look, and if you look really closely, there that number is there, and oftentimes they just reference it in the dialogue. But um, yeah, because they, they, yeah. they call somebody instead of using like pronouns, they say say numbers. Numbers, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't use pronouns him, at all. They're six, just number five, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do um, use some pronouns, but typically it seems like it's just that's number six, that's number two, that's number three, please come this mm-hmm. way, number four or whatever, um, or number t- 215 or whatever. Like they have some pretty large, I think they don't usually leave the double digits typically. Uh, yeah. Like I'm so, I was so overwhelmed and you know how like I see one thing and I'm like, immediately I have six uh-huh. questions about it. Like, why is it there instead of another place? Why is it upside down instead of right side up? Why is it a number instead of a letter? Like, you right. Know, yeah. So things. many questions. Why, why so, was this choice made? Yeah. Cool. I just got like completely overwhelmed by the show. Sure. Yeah. And at first I started to like keep track of these thoughts that I was having, like, oh, I gotta, I gotta pay attention to this and how, how many things. And then there's just way too many of these things to do without basically like a spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, um, and so I imagine like that sort of thing is on the internet as well. But yeah. like, uh, I, 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 I swear that the level of detail shown on the pins that they're wearing with the numbers on them, the level of detail on the awning over the penny farthing bicycle yes. changes. Yeah, that might be possible. And I'm like, why is that? Well, you're never going to get an answer why. But right, it's just right. like, I don't know. I'm. I, this is why I, I want to like crystallize some of my um observances of this show like yeah. some of my observations like okay like they're the like they fall into broad categories and i algorithmize things like when i think about them too so <clears throat> i'm like okay does this fit into the category of costume set design numbers versus names or like something else you know what i mean yeah and so now i'm starting to pay attention to like at what point in the series, and in fact, I don't even care about the American version. I want to go back with all of these things and reformulate the questions based on Patrick McGowan's original episodes only. Right. Because I think that's the only way that, like, there's going to be some kind of a coherent, like, theme or working theory that you can develop about the show itself. Yeah. Because I feel like it's diluted by weird shit with the American version. Yes. Um, that maybe is completely irrelevant and therefore a red herring. Right, right. And so I'm not interested in the excess stuff. I just want to go back to the original episodes and then try and figure out like, I just want to do like fact finding episode watching where I like specifically go through all of them with the intent to look at the numbers on people's chests and see what the numbers are and like only pay attention to numbers on that viewing or like only pay attention to this or that and then like build up a little like roster or set of metrics that I can do analysis on and try and figure out what I think about the show. Um, So maybe I will, (laughs) maybe I'll do that in between recording and then I'll share with you my findings from week to week. (laughs) But um, so yeah, I, I just, now I'm starting to think about like, what are the categories of questions that I have and how can I investigate them? Right, Um, right. Because I'm just so interested in like all of these choices. And like one of the things that Damon pointed out is in the very beginning of the show in the in the introductory title credits and everything. Sequence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when he smashes his hand on the desk when he's like, I quit or whatever. Um, yeah. He breaks a saucer under a coffee cup. Yes. And you see it break on the desk with the 
with the impact of his fist. But the weird thing is that there's two plates. So there's two saucers under the coffee cup and only the bottom most saucer breaks. Huh. I don't Why think are there I two saucers? That. I'm going to have to watch it again now. It's, I mean, I've, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, weird, right? Like, why are yeah. there two... Sa- That's strange. I mean, whether it's something integral to the plot of the show or whether it was just something that happened in the process of producing the show, like doing the operations or whatever. Right. Like, it nonetheless happened. There were two teacup saucers under the teacup and the bottom one broke and it stayed in filming. It wasn't edited out. So why? 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 Right. right. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah. So... I uh, I really like the little golf carts that they drive around everywhere. Yes. Yeah. They look kind of like little mini Jeeps, but sort of not. Yeah. Yeah. Or like if you've ever been to Disney World in Florida. I have not. But um, okay, I have I've, not been to Disneyland in California, but yeah, I have so, been to Disney World twice. So a thing to know about Disney parks is that generally speaking, the core park is all laid out exactly the same. So if you go okay. to one, you've been you've you've seen all of them. They often have more extra stuff around them. So like uh-huh. Disney World has, um, as I understand it, and please, if you're listening to this and you know better, we'd love to hear from you. So set it straight. <laughs> I mean, look, the design of Disneyland is a whole rabbit hole of a thing that we should like get into at some point because it yes. is so meticulously over engineered in a way that is just like there's nothing quite like it on this planet. To be honest, yes. Like, Right. Um, you know, for better or for worse, like, you know, the the level of detail that goes into a Disney park is just nuts. Um, obscene. Yeah, it's obscene. The way that they control the, like, it's like this living play. It's like this stage you get to walk onto and interact with everything. And, right. like, the actors are all around you. And no one who is employed by Disney is not an actor or part of the scene. Do you know what I mean? Like, they yeah, all have their like roles to play. Yeah, it's, like, completely submersive. Or yeah. immersive. Submersive. submersive. They're going to drown yeah, you They're going to drown world. you. Yes, run. Um, <laughs> I have to tell you about something. Yes. So my parents took me to Disney World when I turned five because yes. that was like the day of my, I, I'm born on November 5th and so it was like what do you want for your fifth birthday and I yeah. I don't know if they cajoled me into it because they wanted to go there oh right right because or I'm not got... really a Disney kid like I was never yeah. a Disney Disney kid yeah um Barbies yes because their household appliances and stuff were great fun to play with mostly yeah. I think I just like miniature things yeah. but um so they took me to Disney World for my birthday uh-huh. and my brother was like 18 months old and they hauled him along too and we went on the like uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea ride. Oh yes, is that uh, the name of that? Not anymore. Um, but that's what it was then. It was um, it was a submarine. I man, I forget. But yes, I loved I, that going. I almost lost my shit. Like, I'm sure. They, yeah. Well, I did lose my shit. They, I, I, they, we, we were like, let's go on the ride, and so we go, and then I was like, wait, it goes underwater. Yeah. I am not okay with this. But by the yeah. time we, I realized this at five, it was like way too late to get off the ride. It was and the tw- it was the twenty thousand leagues under the sea submarine voyage. Yes, and so which you was like, later repurposed to into what? Um, I think a Finding Nemo related oh, Ariel's undersea adventure. That anyway, probably would have been way more fun. Uh, Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid, Ariel's undersea adventure. I could live with that. 
Um, I don't, anyway, yeah, sorry, go so, on. Yeah, anyway, was, I just that that ride was utterly terrifying. Like, who wants to go into a submarine that is not a submarine? Uh huh. Uh huh. That most assuredly is not nearly as safe as an actual submarine. Uh huh. Go underwater and then get attacked by a sea creature that yeah, is not actually a sea creature. Yes. It was like, this is a terrible ride. I don't uh-huh. know. This is, I don't want to do this. Anyway, that's one of my memories of being five at Disney World and that's the lingering questions about whose idea it really was for me to go there for my birthday. Yeah. Um, I would I would argue that there's a lot of good parallels between The Prisoner and Disneyland. Like, I, um, That's what I was getting to. Yes. It yes. reminds me so much of like every single inch of this place and stitch of fabric is yes. engineered to give a purposeful effect to the viewer and to the people experiencing it in situ. Like, it's so over-engineered. And to find out that that town is just a a town in the world. Like, it's not a Disney world in that it is not... The town itself, people are there. It's like a resort town in Wales. And, like, you can just go to it. Like, we're going to try and go to it. Um, Because I want to see it Oh, we're definitely going to go see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. We have to go see it. We have to go run around like we were being chased by a giant weather balloon in that town. Can we bring a weather balloon to that town? Do you think we'd be the first people to bring a weather balloon to that town? Uh, no, because we've seen the show and we know they brought weather balloons to the town. So fair, yes. Because it's <laughs> you a real mean place. since the, since the TV, <laughs> since, since the, the TV. show, since the TV showing. Um, yeah, I no, I can't imagine we'd be the first people to want to go there and like. Do people live in that town, or is it just a resort? Um, I I don't know actually that much about it. Let's um, see. Yeah. Um. Port Marion, Wales. It's so Port Marion, by the way, is spelled P O R T M E I R I O N. Port Marion, Wales. PortMarionVillage.com. PortMarion-Village.com. Uh, it's in Gwynedd, North Wales. So it's a, when you open up the website for the yeah. actual town, which I'm assuming is kind of like their. Um, it's part of the Welsh government or something promoting it. Yeah. It says experience the magic. And then it like has this sort of um, uh, drone flyover scene of the town. And it still looks very Disney-esque. Part of what lends the sort of Disney feel to this is that the houses are sort of stacked and stacked and stacked layer on layer. So some of them look very tall and, and castle-like. Um, because they're on the side of a hill, maybe at the top of a hill, and there are other cascading houses below them. And the there are these contiguous walls, like exterior walls of what are obviously individual different little houses, but they all share a common exterior wall. And to differentiate the, the bits of the houses from each other, they paint them different colors. So it's very like colorful and like yes. weird yeah. looking and and like there's a, a bright yellow little house with a dark roof and a, a super blue, like cerulean blue door and budged up against a pink house with like teal shutters. And and like it's just really weird. It looks kind of like somebody started building it and then just kind of kept tacking onto it and kept going around. Mm-hmm. Like it does not look as though it was created as separate houses that were unified after the fact. It looks like like a house that somebody just kept putting more and more additions onto, except it's a town. Yeah. That's how yes. big it is. It's yeah. very cool. Um, and so they're like, oh, Port Marion, experience the magic. Um, yeah. It has hotels, cottages, a spa, shops, restaurants, and cafes, woodland gardens, and estuary views. So you can get annual passes or day tickets. So it seems like it's kind of like a theme park. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's um yeah, it's kind of like a theme park. Mm-hmm. So not totally unlike Disney in that it's a very like meticulously constructed place and like maybe people do or do not live there, but for just a random person to have access to it, you need to buy a pass and then you kind of like go right. there as an attraction as opposed to It's kind of like a casino. You know, like what do you do? Yeah. Well, you go to the casino and you stay in the hotel at the casino to be at the casino. Like it wouldn't none of that would have been there if it weren't for all of it together. Right, right. I don't know. Well, originally, um, these you know buildings were built there. There's a the Wikipedia article on Port Miriam, Marion, mm-hmm. um, has a great table of the chronology of construction starting in the 19th century all the way up until 2016. Um, and in 2016, they built the permanent chess set built in remembrance of the prisoner next to the central oh. plaza. Yes. Yeah. It's a chess um, set so large that people occupy the spaces on the boards like as if they were the yes. pieces. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's really... So to kind of get back to the whole design aesthetic of it. Um, yeah. I, I definitely... You know, a lot of a lot of the village in, in the prisoner... Uh, well, uh, 100% of it is like from Port Marion, right? And mm-hmm. now that we've like, you know, looked at how it's been... Port Marion was designed as a as a sort of Italian village in the style of an Italian village, um, yeah, by okay. by design and built by Sir Claw Clo Clo Williams Ellis. Um, mm, yeah, I C L O U G H Clo 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 Clo. I'm not sure how it would yeah. be pronounced. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, um, yeah, like it's just really. Uh, I, I it makes like it makes sense when you're when you look at the plot of the prisoner for them to choose a village that's like fairly uniformly manufactured or fairly uniformly designed, right? It's like one person yes. is like, hey, everything in this village is purpose built. It's not like I sold off plots of land and everybody showed up and built their own bullshit. It's exactly. like nope, yes, I you're, you know You're totally saying what I was thinking earlier, but you're explaining it much, much better than I did. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not trying to like, I I think, yeah, like I'm trying to agree with you, right? Like I agree that that's, um, this is why, this is why it was chosen. Also, it's kind of amazing that it exists and the show, um, like I'm really curious, like how the, the thoughts, you know, um, when they were coming up with the show, when, uh, what's his name, um. Patrick McEwen. Patrick McEwen. Uh, like, you know, what inspired him? And did they go out looking for a village? Or had he visited this village and then, like, right. you know, like, where... Chicken um, and egg. Which came first? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what but... What I really... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to pivot towards, uh, you know, designing dystopias and, and back into the kind of... Yes. Before you yep. say that, the one thing yep. that I kind of noticed as I was looking at this... Um, the website for the town yes. with the drone flyover shot is that it's kind of perfect for filming whether or not they decided ahead of time or like scouted it after the fact to figure out that this would be the place to film it. Yeah. The cool thing about it is that no matter what camera angle you're shooting from, all you ever see in the background is more of the same town. Yes. Which makes it really convenient to film there for someone who's supposedly kind of like a prisoner in a place that they can't escape from, even though it's like... Right. It's it, Visually, it's interesting because it's like off the edge of the screen, there's just more of the 
town from the screen. Like, and right. so, uh, there's never a question of like, well, why doesn't he just cross that bridge to get out of town? Or like, why right. doesn't he just like right. <laughs> walk over that whatever? Like there's uh-huh. th- there's nothing for your eye to catch that's like, oh, there's a possible escape route. No, you're met constantly with this like visual assault of just like more shit on top of shit. <laughs> right. Anyway, go on about the dystopia. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say like, I mean, that's it, right? Like it's kind of um, it the, the re like like the reasons all those reasons are like why it also makes you know why they're able to convey that like that dystopian feel of like being trapped without being trapped right like when the when the show first starts and you're watching the first episode um you get this impression that uh like you're kind of like, oh, like that would be actually kind of a nice thing to happen if I weren't stuck there for the rest of my life, right? Like it's sort of like, <laughs> yes. you know, it's like, oh, I can just kind of like not worry about things for a little bit. I It, it feels very like, um, it feels like kind of like a, like what are those like forced, um, uh, what are they called? Like rehab, you know, it's sort of oh, like, yes. like you're not a prisoner, but you are like there's yes. rules, but like, you know, you're not exactly like stuck in this like barren concrete cell with a stainless steel toilet with no lid and, you know, whatever. It's like not quite that bad, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. there's there are elements of that everywhere about it being, you know, people are very like his interactions with people like belay how how much they're worried about sticking to whatever rules they're running under, you know, like what their interaction expectations are. This is where I was kind of getting with the numbers too, is like Mm. that feeling of rank where it's like, you know, his importance is at six, right? So there's five people above him who have more importance than him, but everyone else below him are less important to whatever they're doing here. So did you feel like, and maybe this is something that I just wasn't like fully capable of absorbing at the time on the first viewing through, but is it clear that the numbers have to do with a hierarchy? Not as far as I've watched. So I haven't watched every episode. It's not that clear, but it is clear that one and two, that two is the top, like, you know, whoever is, whoever's number two is in charge and reports to someone we don't know, reports to a number one, because number six often asks, like, who is number one? Right. He wants to know who is number one. and, And number two is always just like, you don't get to know. And then there's even that episode where, um, and I don't think this will be I we should preface that like there are some potential spoilers in some aspects. Um, but for a show that aired in 1967, yeah. um, just be forewarned, we're not trying to like blow like, you know, blow all the various plots. But, um, you know, if if you really enjoy like novelty and surprise, like I would recommend, like put a pause on this episode and go, you know, go watch a couple episodes before you come back. If, if that's something that really appeals to you. But um, <laughs> anyway, I'm not, that's a long lead up to spoilers, which is there's one episode where he gets elected. Yes. Um, and they have an election, right? Yes, and so apparent, then he, yes, you get these tidbits like, Oh, apparently in this town there's free and fair elections and like somebody right, run to be right. number two. Yeah, and you know, and that whole episode plays out about the election campaign and him running against the current number two, and you know whether or not he gets elected. Um, I feel like in that episode there's some indication that he'll learn who number one is, but at the resolution of that episode, I don't remember being like, "Oh, we learned who number one is." So, yeah, I don't think so. Um, 
Yeah, and I think if you hadn't mentioned before, number two changes like every episode. It's some yes, every new episode person. there's a different human being occupying the role of number two. Yeah, and, and there's never any explanation for that given either. Like, where was the old number two? Who the right. fuck are you? Like, but what's I going will on? say it's not played out as like, oh, we couldn't get that actor. Everybody pretend this is the same person. It's right. Like they, it is a new number two. Yes, like they have new, they have new meth. Like they all have the same goal, which is to find out why number six quit. Like get information, right? What right. What do you want? Information. information. Like that's the, yeah, the very beginning of the episode. Every episode in the lead up is the you know they cover the plot as we said earlier. But number two often each new number two has their own schemes on how they're going to get extract this information from number six. And they have their own like motivations and you learn about them through the arc of the episode. And typically you don't learn about their fate, about why they left, um, why they replaced. Um, the time between each episode is variable. It seems like sometimes it might be a couple months um, in, in world, like in, in story arc right yes. time. Like it's not like actual, you know, um, real world. Time, yeah. Like, it, yeah, it's not like you're in going the story world time. It's like the prisoner number six has been there maybe six months before we pick up again. At mm-hmm. this new episode, so mm-hmm. yeah, time elapses. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's uh, like it's very disorienting. Um, yes. In it, visually, it's very disorienting. Um, like geographically, it's like the time scale is all wacky. Um, like it's it kind of reminds me a little bit okay so here we go it reminds me a little bit of the good place like here's a spin-off like yeah. i feel like the sort of liminality of the good place is very similar like you're trapped here you're trapped in this yes. weird little town the town is very very quaint yes there's like a funny little ice cream or like yogurt shop uh the doors are rounded on the top there's like mm-hmm. you know clearly like there's all these windows stacked up so you get the impression that there's all these different sort of like hodgepodge layers of houses cl- cl- you know yeah. Uh, kludged together behind the walls um so and just the sort of repetitive nature of like they die they wake up you know or they like they go through the trolley problem and have to keep repeating it ad nauseum right. until they come right. up with a better solution like just these sort of things like uh th- that whole show reminds me so much the good place reminds me so much of the prisoner now even though when i watched the good place i had no frame of reference for it as being right. like derivative right right um And there's like, there's tons of them. I mean, I, again, this is another thing where I was like, after paying attention for a little while, I had so many references. I was like, I got to start over and write these down because I can't Mm -hmm. actually keep track of this all in my head. Like the Austin Powers thing about who does number two work for. That's clearly a reference to this show, to the prisoner. Right. Um, Like, oh God, what are some other ones? I see. I didn't. I haven't done all of my research yet, so I don't have like lists of these things handy. I just have like smattering of observations. Um, <clears throat> like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, basically, the plot of every movie or television yes. show you've ever yeah. seen in your life, if you're forty or under. <laughs> like, yes, right. They're right. all the prisoner. Yes, yeah. in some form. I. It made me, in some ways, it made me a little bit disappointed in shows that I have loved dearly. Yeah, because I'm like this is just a repackage of the prisoner, and in fact, the prisoner was better because it got all the other shit too. Right, like, right. All these shows pick like some little portion or aspect of the prisoner and kind of like expand on it. Like, oh, what if this detail was like a whole show? And yeah. I'm like, the amazing thing about the prisoner is it got all of these in one fell swoop. I'm just like, he was incredible. 
Patrick yes. McGowan was like incredible. He's an incredible artist and like made all this great shit that completely informed people's pop culture lives for the next like half century. Yeah, it's really or impressive. longer, like 70 years or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really impressive how, um, you know, one of the things I thought we might do as we, you know, if we keep going on with the, or as we go on with the prisoner uh, podcast episodes, is we might look into um, individual episodes and the mm-hmm. writers that were involved, if we can find out it. Oh, one yeah. of the, one of the tricky things about, um, like, media from that era is that sometimes things aren't always as well documented as one might hope. Um, yeah. So, uh, yes, the series was created by McGowan um, with possible contributions from George Markstein, um, which only like, you know, that's directly from the Wikipedia article and that draws from a, um, a 2019 article in the guardian, mm. um, that references and I didn't read the whole article so I'm not going to do that here while everybody waits but one presumes that the, the problem of course <laughs> is that there's some speculation about who who was involved and who actually wrote episodes and how things were sort of uh-huh. um, you know formed and written and designed and um, clearly there was a um, pretty dedicated crew that worked pretty hard to keep things cohesive. Like from one episode to the next, mm-hmm. the costumes seem to draw draw from the same. But there is that, like you said, there's like these evolutions of the mm-hmm. costuming. Um, right. There's evolutions of the the layout and the designs. And um, but man, like yeah. that that the interiors are so well done because they're like they love to do that kind of illusion of like. Um, like you go in a door and like what you expect is like a quaint little home, but then another door and they're like lets into this like their version of like spy headquarters or like Yeah, um, like this cavernous space. Yeah, this like cavernous space of like great, you know, military function or like space spacey sci-fi kind of mm-hmm. um interaction of like like sort of the cloistered anonymous council members or whatever. You know what I mean? It yeah. like feels very like um it, it, it everything and and each episode like has this like different flavor where sometimes you're like oh this is very like cult like like the townspeople yeah. are all behaving like a cult and now they're mm-hmm. like not now they're doing this other thing like the election episode I really love that one because it's like it it, it both like conveys this like farce of election right like the two party so like it really rings with the u.s right where it's like we have this two-party system and it really like you know this like divide in factions and now everybody's taken sides and now we're all fighting yeah. over something that actually and it is becomes not... like an identity like a core yes. identity like i'm a whatever now yes yeah um and you know and everybody is like both individual but also this like cult-like mind in the village in that way um and the way that they like interact and um oh <laughs> to kind of go back to the <laughs> i was just remembering like the the interior design thing where it's like yeah. um like he has that radio yes that's constantly filling the space with announcements yes. and discussion and like and it's, it's like very like propaganda machine yeah like this little propaganda machine and everything is just very um it's like it's almost like the 
like it feels like it almost mocks the idea of like what is like a good way and happy way to live do you know what i mean like of the of that era like the way that everything is so perfectly laid out and the way that he just like thrashes about in the space all the time he's always just like i mean not always but often he's like breaking something or like you know just ransacking the kitchen looking for something frantically or like you know Mm -hmm. he's just like no regard for this like meticulously put together space he's just breaking things and like fuck this is none of this is the reality i want and then it's all just like reassembled every episode right or just like when he comes back it's like somewhere off camera like this invisible army of whoever shows up and like makes everything right back to normal and like fixes everything up and puts it back where it's supposed to be um like they do show some of that in the like in the in world story like they have they have episodes where like a maintenance man shows up to fix a thing he broke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like it's not like um, it's not totally. Unseen. It's not. Yeah, but it is. But that's where it's like very Disneyland like, right? Like yes! there's all these tools yes! for observation and like the landscape can literally be changed in order to accommodate the new reality they want to convey in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's, it's like yeah. all of a sudden, like you're you're aware that like oh, all these little woodland creatures that are all over in the bushes or whatever are actually yeah. like eyeballs looking and like being transmitted back to some right headquarters somewhere where everybody's in a sea of television sets watching what's going on or in this case on a teeter-totter looking into a viewfinder bobbing up and down while going in circles around the circle town that you can't Uh see from um i i kind of like um i what i appreciate about the set design is sort of like everything has been thought of to the nth degree but everything is fairly like simple it's yes like it's a if I was a kid and I was imagining a town you couldn't get out of and how you would like surveil that town to make sure you knew what was going on at all times, what I saw in my head might've been some version of that teeter totter. I don't Uh know. It's not that far fetched to me. Like you're up and down and sideways and bobbing around and like, yeah, you can cover all the shit that way. I get it. Um, And I just love that there's this sort of like, there's no need to explain any of these things. It is. Yes. well this is how it is because you can see because of the way it is (laughs) right i that teeter-totter mechanism and the way that the like it is in the center of this sort of crater of of uh yes of the room like this like it's like in this recess of the room and then like right around the edge of the teeter-totter space is the is the village painted or like in picture pictured on mm-hmm. the on the sort of slope, right? Um, right. It's not three yes, dimensional, okay. but but then the way that the two people on the the opposing ends of the teeter totter are facing away from each other with these sort of like viewing binocular like things mm-hmm. um, that that potentially view down at the village map as if yes. they're actually looking into the village and yes. and every time they need to like view something it swings around and one of them goes up and one of them goes down mm-hmm. so that they can capture some image and it's just very like when you look at it it's not immediately obvious that's what's going on like it's it feels very it feels very like childlike in its design of imagination. It's like, I can imagine that I'm playing with my friend in the living room when I'm like six and like, we're going to build a spaceship out of shit we find. And then we're going to live in that spaceship right now. And like, like, yes, the cardboard box, the refrigerator came in. 
Yes. Yeah. Like a, it all looks kind of like repurposed stuff. A little yeah. Bit. And but then the functionality of it is very like like there's just this big eye, this big mechanical <laughs> eye that they show shots yeah. of that floats kind of up above in this space. And like they show it in shots where it's like you're kind of like, are they telling us that that eye is part of this observing function, this like technology that allows them to view like anybody from any angle in the village at any point kind of situation. But then other times they're like, oh, but there's real cameras because they show like statuary heads moving to track people. Like mm-hmm. it's like what? Amazing. Right. Like amazing. <laughs> but also just like like and it's very that's why I mean it's like this childlike <laughs> leap of imagination where it's like yeah, like the child's like, well, you need a big eyeball to see. So you have the big eyeball that goes up above so it can see everything. And big then eyeball. you need people. Yeah. And if you want to look at little screens of like close intimate shots, you need someone who can look down in the village and see them closely with binoculars. Let's yeah. put them on something that tilts down so they can see it. Well, let's right. balance it on the other end with another one of those people. Like it's like what? Like like it obeys physics and yet doesn't. Right. Like it's just. Right. <laughs> This yeah. it ha- this whole show occupies this sort of like superposition in my mind of like it's very dreamlike for me. It has yeah. it has many of the elements of the recurring nightmares that I have where we're in a place. We, yes. it looks a lot like how other places look, and but nothing behaves the way it should in that right. place. And you and I are usually there and frustrated that we can't get out, and nobody yeah. can answer any of our questions, and we're trapped and like this is not how and this is can't- supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. And like every time you're there, it's like it's some new insane story that plays out in the backdrop of the sameness. Right. It's like the same reality of how things work. Like, yeah, it's very. um, Mm -hmm. So the Matrix, I I thought, oh, well, this is just the Matrix, too. This movie is the Matrix. Also, this movie is the Truman Show. Yes. Oh, very much. The Truman Show is the Truman Show movie. Um, Yeah. Like uh, uh, both of which are great, but also yeah. like totally derivative. I now see. Right, right. Like uh, you can't convince me otherwise. Yes, yeah. Um, and and I think um, I we might it might be worth talking about uh, derivative work uh, at some point and the nature of it because um, I find it it's hard to it's hard to escape partly because we live in a time where. Um, mm-hmm. things are like work is so much more indelible, right? Like, yeah, even when it's built not to be like, uh, I feel like you were telling me about an artist who would build these, um, uh, these beautiful cardboard structures and then paint them and put them out in the rain and they would just melt. Um, uh, yeah, he did a big one. Um, I can't remember what it's We did an episode on him a while yeah. ago. Uh, yeah. it, it, immaterial to my point, which is that, um, these days because of the nature of like everyone having like a you know a cinema camera in their pocket essentially Mm -hmm. or like you know equivalent of like what was cinema cinema cameras like 20 years ago i mean obviously anyway my point is like everyone having like a very high resolution very effective image and audio capturing device in their pocket at all times um means that uh things are less ephemeral because not only does that device like immediately often uh, almost immediately transfer that captured image and audio data to to you know many servers in the quote cloud or Mm -hmm. because the rest of us know them to be other computers that we don't own um 
and you know, and that data right. just lives like indefinitely. Like it, it, you know, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't decay, and you know, there's all that other stuff. But my point being is that um, derivative works are, I think, more like things seem to can often feel more derivative because we're constantly faced with our immediate past and even like you know as time goes on mm -hmm. like more deeper past in high resolution and mm -hmm. um and so i not to not to be an apologist for the derivative works of the prisoner like and not <laughs> that i'm saying that you're not i don't think you're saying that they're bad it's just like no, this eye-opening thing of like wow this really is derivative like this is not new like this is yeah. you know something that has been well flat like it's well done the prisoner is a good show yeah, I think it stands great. up pretty well. I mean, there's there's a few things, but for the most part, I mean, it is it is very much like, you know, watching you know watching middle aged white people do fucking TV shit, right? Like, there's not mm -hmm. there's not a lot of diversity of cat. I mean, there's some, yeah. there's some, but you know, it's uh, it's you know, 1960s, late 60s British sensibility, like Wales, Wales, yeah, Welsh sensibility, like it's um. You know, which is not terrible, but also not, you know, it's not representative of like, you know, modern, um, yeah. modern like cultural movement and, you know, the idea of like actually being more accepting of like even wider swaths of people that exist in this world. Um, yeah, right. So, like, but as a middle aged white man, it's hard for me to speak to how exclusatory it is. Like, if you, if you have some thoughts on that as a listener, like, we would love to hear them. Um, or, you know, I mean, not that it's your job to correct us. I'm just saying if you, wish to chime in or definitely <laughs> <laughs> meander along with us right yeah. um i think uh the i like that the town that they chose made it possible to have like sort of a uniformity of of um design yes and yeah. like i think like the de the design of this place is like so narrow so narrow like yes. you can look at it and you can pinpoint it like um like british isles white people in the 60s yes yeah right yes <laughs> yeah yeah um, like yep. it just screams like yep. that design i don't know what that aesthetic is i don't know really how to describe it's it quaint. but when i see it i'm like oh my god it's so british and so yes. 1960s yes. um and everything like the quality of the film too yes like when you view it you're like oh god like one of the things that kind of made me anxious about this show was the actual quality of the filming itself yeah the production quality and um it reminds me of like television shows that would be on reruns when i was sick home from a kid in the 80s which would yes. have been right around that time and it yep. just makes me feel like that's a whole other reason why the experience of watching it is uncomfortable because i'm like now I just feel like I'm homesick right. on the couch and being forced to watch something <laughs> that I don't like from a past era. Yes. Except I like this one. But like when I was homesick as a kid, I had to watch MASH reruns all the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't want to watch that war ass shit. Right. Like I don't have any empathy for people who are like working in a war hospital in the field in a Vietnam right. in a war that's like completely unjust. And that's the only thing I've heard about since being a kid. Like, yeah. oh God. And anyway. Same aesthetic. It looks yep. very mashy aesthetic, like with the with the quality of the film itself. Yeah. Um I don't know. I got very into mash. Um Really? Did you like it? Uh 
as a kid who, you know, usually the choice was like the price is right or mash. <gasps> and I preferred mash. Oh, man, I'm a price is right all the way. Also, yeah. in mash, the only character I identified with at all was the guy who was constantly trying to be labeled crazy to get out of work. Um, yes. Uh, well, right. So, like... It took me a while um, to get and into. And I understood but, why he was doing that. And I was like, that's the only intelligent person in this whole racket. Yeah. And so um, later I learned some pretty cool things about um, MASH. Like, um, So they originally didn't want to have a laugh track. Oh. Um, oh, that would have made that show unbearable. You well, they did have a laugh track. It was a comedy. No. So they did have a laugh track. and That's great. They, they didn't. They didn't want to have a laugh track because the producers of the show the goal their goal was to portray how fucked up it was like the the goal wasn't to make a comedy their goal was to be like no this is a fucked up situation and so the compromise that they were able to meet with the funding or whatever was that they did not allow for laugh tracks in the or and so that's why all those scenes are when um what's his name uh that actor who's pretty famous now um <sighs> Alan Alda. A- Alan Alda, like him, him and all his jokes, like over, you know, over the operating table, were so iconic. They did so many of them because they're like, this is where we cannot. We we've agreed to not have a laugh track ra- laugh track here, so we can tell a lot of the jokes the way we want to. Like mm-hmm. we want to tell these jokes in a way that like people don't have to laugh. It might not actually be funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, no, this is like fucked up. This guy got his leg blown off. And, you know, the fact that I'm trying to like break the tension right now and no one's laughing is exactly how it should be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I, as I got older and I read more about the show, I had a lot more respect for what they were trying to do at the time. Because um, they tried to address like a lot of issues, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name right now, but the character who was always trying to be like, you know, basically sent home for being crazy. Right. Um, and the way like... If you ever watch the show or you decide to, like, there, there's a lot of story plots about the way the characters, like, um, like try to support each other in this, like, mass trauma-inducing environment and, like, the way that they try to help each other survive and, like, do things that are human in a very dehumanizing th- environment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the way they deal with, like, there's the character who's, like, basically always trying to follow the rules and, like, get everybody in trouble for, like, having yes. fun or whatever. Like, the way that they interact with him and the way that they, like, um, you know, interact with the people who like believe that this is right and just and this is what should be happening and the way that they try to like have this like detente right where it's like well we still you know we don't want to give up our humanity by like being like just fuck that guy we're at odds with him it's like they try to work with him and like they Mm -hmm. you know he gets called out when it's too much right it's like nope you're too inhuman now you don't get to do this yeah that kind of shit so no, it's a very complex story. I, um, I like I, it now. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, I, when I was a kid, the problem is when I was a kid, I did not like Price is Right because to me, um, there was no story. There was no, mm-hmm. there was nothing for me to hold on to. I didn't, I, I couldn't relate to these people for the most part. Like I yeah. just didn't, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't have access to money. Um, you know, I live around like I live in a in a neighborhood where people have access to too much money. And so none of this is a context that makes sense for me. Right. Yeah. Like this idea of competing for things that I either 
believe that I will never be able to own myself because I don't see how I'm going to have the money it's required because I can see how much they cost and I can mm -hmm. see how much money other people are spending on them and how easy it is for them to do that. And I don't see how I'm going to get from where I am to the person who has enough money to own these things. And and also, I fully reject the consumerism of the prices, right? Because I it makes me feel gross, right? Like it's yes. sort of like this frantic excitement about winning fucking consumable goods that even as a child, I pretty much understood were not valued at the value that people were paying for them. Right. So anyway. It's tough. It's yeah. war or or consumerism. Yes, right, right. Yeah. I mean, so I took solace in war, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't know if I like found either of them to be particularly comforting. Yeah. <clears throat> um, now, like Gilligan's Island or something like that was more, you know, I could get or like, um, you know, reruns of uh, um, Bewitched or I Dream of mm -hmm. Genie or things like that. So. All of them felt like, oh, so I dream of genie was the exception. I was like, how do I become genie? Yes, right. Yeah. I want to live in the bottle. Yep. I want my job to be like hanging out with an astronaut. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't know, like I also wanted to be an astronaut, but I kind of felt like that was slim chances even as a kid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to be genie. I was like, where do I get that outfit? Right. Right. This is great. I need to be genie. Yeah. And... I liked that show a lot. Yeah. Um, Bewitched, I wasn't a fan of. Um, I, I, I I just Bewitched, like, I liked I Dream of Genie and Bewitched because of the magic. Yes, I like the magic elements of it. I really liked the mother-in-law or, like, the mom on Bewitched. Yes. The, the mother, and Endora, Endora, Endora? I think that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, and because she was always, like, so shitty to the husband. Yes. She was, like, an <laughs> oaf and a dumb yes. guy. And I was just like, I am yeah. with you, lady. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah, fuck that guy. And yeah, and like the, like, I love how she's like, my daughter's an immense talents as a witch are being used up to compensate for this man who doesn't deserve any of what he has. Right, right. I'd be disappointed too. I'd be upset constantly. Yeah. Be like, what is going on? What is going on? Yeah. Well, um, I, I have to go to work. So. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, all right. So I'll get back to watching this show obsessive compulsively and taking lots of weird scrawly notes and drawing yeah. arrows back and forth between things, and right. you know, and I'll share with you what I have next time. I wonder. Um, I wonder if that transition feels like. I, I'm wondering who just listened to that transition and was like, "What a weird sort of liminal shift, right?" Because it's like. Yeah. On the one hand, you're like, I'm listening to this podcast and these two people are talking about this thing and then they got off on a rant and now they're like, now they're hanging up on each other. Like it's this like personal right. phone call, <laughs> <laughs> um, which it, which it very much is. Uh, Basically, you're just like, if you're listening to our podcast, you're just listening to our conversations about weird things. Yes. Yeah. And again, I cannot emphasize how much we would love for you to join in any capacity, starting by sending us an email with your thoughts about whatever topic you think um, you'd like to share with us. So, uh, yeah. Yep. And if you're someone who um, maybe doesn't, you know, is like, <laughs> there's people who are like, I don't want to send that email because they won't respond. And then there's probably people who are like, I'm worried they would respond. <laughs> yes. um, if you're worried, whatever you're holding, whatever's holding you back is probably true. Yeah, if you're well, worried, no, we will respond. <laughs> yeah, we will respond. Um, however, like I think we would, 
we we have in the past tried to be very respectful of people's like you know privacy and etc so if you are sending us an email again that email address you can email dana d-a-n-a at fcbm.io um if you're emailing us uh you can generally assume some level of privacy with your information that you send us like without you know we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about you on the radio or on the podcast without at least some some understanding with you like sending an email back saying like hey you know we'd like to share this particular thought about you know that you sent or whatever so yeah. um yeah um but also like you know if you're very like outgoing or whatever just fucking send it and we'll get right back to you yeah well maybe unless you're trying to spam us with some fucking weird podcast marketing bullshit Oh, in which case, watch out. Yes. Yeah. We also respond to those. Yeah. I did see, um, I didn't, it wasn't an email, but I saw we were like 159 in design in um, in Australia, the category <laughs> of design in Australia. Now, yeah. like, is the relative ranking in Australia, how does that compare to the relative ranking in Ireland? Because I feel like we're like 51 or 49 in Ireland and 150 yeah. something in Australia, but there might be a lot more people in Australia than there are in Ireland, in which case maybe it like works out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, these are only the the marketing snippets I see because I don't I don't want to ever pay for any of this shit right. i don't really care about so i think we should take these marketing snippets as gospel and for yes. each one of them yes. we should build ourselves a trophy <laughs> yes we should build ourselves a trophy <laughs> 158th in australia uh-huh yep oh that's great yeah well everyone thanks for coming on this weird adventure with us yeah thank you thank you we appreciate it um All right do we have anything left to cover i don't think so I don't think so. Um, wash your hands and don't burn down in a wildfire. Um, and don't, uh, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, I like keep wearing a mask if that makes you feel better and, you know, educate yourself yeah. about how effective that is for you. Um, and also like, don't be around immune compromised people if you can't take care of like your own. Um, yeah. I mean, just be considerate. Condition. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, um, bunch of people still getting covid and yeah it yep. really sucks and the cdc is all like hey it doesn't matter if people die anymore right because like at this point in the pandemic if you who's get even sick counting it's kind of your fault it's kind of your fault right? <laughs> right who's even counting yeah. uh, <laughs> um have a great week everyone yes yep have a great week okay <laughs>